All right, welcome to the Keep Up Podcast. Nikki, how are you this morning? Oh, hello. Oh, there's a bird. Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm outside again. I'm just like in the, you know, I like the routine of doing this outside now. It's really nice. Yeah, you get some vitamin D. The weather's getting nicer here. Um, Yes, look, I'm wearing long sleeves. I'm amazing. (laughs) I have a little bit of a sinus infection, which just means I have a really gravelly voice today. Mm, Um, Yes, great. Well, let's get to it. Tell me about ScarJo. What what happened with her and Disney? Well, there's been some drama, um, as people know, with uh, Scarlett Johansson suing Disney um, for releasing um, Black Widow on Disney Plus, um, as well as the theater release um, alongside. They did both at the same time as kind of little experiment. Um, and so she sued them because she was her money was based on how much they would make in theaters. And so she sued them saying that they owed her more money. Um, well, so it looks like she got 20 million. Yeah, she up, did get up 20 front. million up front. But, mm-hmm. but she had a, you know, participating in the box office back end and then Correct. not really having much of a box office push yeah. and really being, you know, gutted out from under that by being on Disney plus. Yeah. And she signed her contract in 2017. So this was before Disney plus was even a thing before this was COVID was before a thing. COVID. So, and they didn't yeah. update it. So she was just like, Hey, you owe me some more money, especially because, um, they're not really releasing any other like movies like this. In yeah. The same way. Um, so they settled, which is good. How much um, do you think she got? I don't know. I was thinking fifty million. Well, that's what they said. They said people think if if it would have been a normal Marvel box office release, she probably would have made around seventy million total. Yeah. So I figured. uh, I doubt it. I doubt they gave her all fifty million. I bet they gave her something. What I was surprised though was that um, they're going to be continuing to work together. They have upcoming projects. And so, so where, when, when it first happened, Disney put out a statement like, I'm so, we're so disappointed. This is just, this is really upsetting and distressing because of COVID. Um, Like, why is she doing this? We don't understand like that kind of thing. And now the statement, you know, she's saying like, we worked it, we resolved it. And they're saying like, we're excited to work on this upcoming couple new projects. So anyway, really, it's like you got it. Like Scarlett Johansson is a big enough star in Disney. Of course, they each have their own little PR and legal teams. Yes. And like Scarlett Johansson isn't like taking time out of her day to do this. Those two little legal and PR teams have a little skirmish, settle it, and then and then you know she's probably still buddy buddy with with Kevin Feige and in, in the the, the heads of Disney. So yeah, totally. Good for them. That's why they call California the Sumi State. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> it's a very litigious state. Okay, moving yeah. on to Netflix. Uh, yeah. yes. This is interesting to me. Squid Game is a new show out of Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, it is subtitled. I don't even know if it's, you know, Netflix always has the dubbed stuff. Do they even have a dubbed version? I was watching the subtitled one myself. I think they do. Cause I thought they I probably saw a trailer. Do. I think I saw a trailer and I was like, his lips aren't matching. Yeah. With I think I just, my settings, I always do the subtitled one, but, uh, squid yeah. game. Anyways, 
it's a crazy looking sort of uh, dystopian show. Uh, sort of reminds me of uh, Running Man, if you remember that with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where it's like this crazy game show to the death type yeah, of thing. Yeah, it reminds me of like just a longer version of Black Mirror. Black Mirror, maybe a little bit of um, what's the one uh, that was a the tween show where she's in the game and having to survive the hunger games. Yes. Yes. Um, or just more futuristic. Yeah. Anyways, this show is a big deal and it's only premiered. I don't know how long ago, a week ago or something. Yeah. But, uh, I guess the co-CEO of, um, Netflix, Ted Sarando said is for sure going to be their biggest non-English show ever and may end up being their biggest show period. Which is crazy to me. Like you, you were even telling me this and I didn't believe you because, you know, I don't know. I just feel like there's been other shows that are like the biggest ever. Well, I think what I think is interesting. I mean, I saw is, a trailer for it, but I don't know anybody who's watched it. Well, but on the top 10 thing, you know, <laughs> isn't it number one on yours? Um, I think that this was made before it. No, no, but you know how you scroll down oh, yeah. and it has the top 10 oh, yes. trending or whatever? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, yes. I think this goes to, it's like a reminder of is how it, Is global. it or do they want it to be? I don't know. Yeah, I'm I don't know. That's the whole thing. Is actually watching. Because, you know, like the, Tiger King, we've got uh, Bridgerton. That's like 80 million, you know, watch viewers and stuff like that. So the, I don't know. The thing about the top 10, why I believe it's it's truly like a ranking of what's trending and they're not like gaming it is because of how often Coco Melon is in the top 10. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. If anybody knows what Coco Melon is, it's just this uh, exhausting, really cheaply made kids show that yes. kids will just watch for hours on end. So I don't think Netflix is trying to push Coco Melon on people. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's but true. I think it's cool. I think it like the thing is there's so many interesting foreign uh films and filmmakers and before like the streaming era it was only really really nerdy film people that watched foreign films right. and now it's like these are becoming you know ev everybody's watching them and especially as netflix gets better with dubbing right um yeah you know, there's really there's a lot of like the german show dark and like there's i mean there's a lot more um anyways um, I think it's interesting. I, I haven't finished it yet. I just started watching the first episode, but okay. Well, um, now I have to watch it. So I'll yeah. tell you. I'll tell you if okay. it's good. I've seen all the other top shows except for Bridgerton. But uh, you didn't watch Bridgerton? No, I need to. Don't I? Do I? The scene. I don't. Don't. Don't be offended, but it seems like you would like Bridgerton. <gasps> How dare you? I. I, I. No. Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> it's a Sh Shonda Rhimes joint, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Okay, I'll watch that next. I just finished another one of them, um, Sex Life, which was so good, uh, you know, given what it is. But anyway, I like that one. So I'm looking for a new show. All right. Um, well, let's okay. move on to the tech world. What's happening with tech companies? Okay, so this first one, kind of a minor detail, but as someone who uses Discord, I like it. Um, so Discord is now going to let you set a unique avatar in each of the servers where you hang out. So currently, um, and I actually experienced this problem, um, currently if you have uh, different servers that you're in, your, your picture is the same um, for everybody, or your avatar is the same for everybody. And so it's going to be, but like 
you tell your your Discord experience. You have a bunch of servers. Yeah, there, right? I'm, well, I just went to check what your avatar is. Uh, you haven't changed yours yet, have you? No, not yet. You're going to keep it the same. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. The thing with Discord is, yeah, I'm in a number of Discords for like crypto stuff. And uh, I, I haven't updated mine for different uh, servers that I'm in. Yeah. What's interesting is I think, so there's a lot of Discord users that are that are sort of anonymous. Like they truly have an avatar and a pseudonym and don't have their personal identity tied to it in any way, um, which is which is unique as far as social media goes, because nowadays, you know, especially Facebook, they really want it to be tied to a personal identity. Anyway, so like you could be in different servers and use different avatars and sort of have different, uh, you know, personalities or whatever. Uh, anyway, so I think it's interesting. Dis- Discord's like becoming a big, big deal. Yeah. I, I, I lump it in with social media now for mm-hmm. sure. It's more yeah. than just like a chat thing. Mm-hmm. And I also, I, for my, it made me think for my username, I, uh, you know, for ours, I made my username very specific to it. And now that I'm in another server, I'm like, wait, this doesn't make sense. So now I just need to rethink. Wait, what other server are you in? How dare you leave me alone? Wait, you, I didn't know you're in other discord servers now. Maybe. Go for it. Yeah. I don't know what you're in. You didn't go, go. sow your wild oats, Nikki on discord. Um, this is the drama that happens at Serial. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. So as anybody who's listening knows, you know, I'm still trying to understand everything with NFTs, crypto, all the things, but I'm working on it, guys. Okay. So let's get into TikTok. TikTok um, is getting into the NFT cra- uh, craze with its own NFT collection. This is usually where Chad takes over. And yeah. Explains. So what? again, as a recap for for rookies, an NFT is. Uh, I was actually explaining this to someone yesterday who was like, had no idea what I was talking about, and I was like, well, an NFT is just a way to verify ownership of something on the internet. It stands for non fungible token, and it's literally like. Uh, a contract that lives on the internet that is publicly visible on the blockchain. And the blockchain is this whole mechanism of of making a trustless interface where everybody agrees on what exists. So that's all an NFT is. And, and an NFT can be used in a million different ways. But right now, like the craze around NFTs is around collectibles. Um, and so you had NBA Top Shot, which was basically like, you know, trading cards, but they made them digital. And so you buy them in these packs and you open the packs and you get little moments of NBA plays. And an NFT can be any file. So it doesn't have to be an image. Right now you have a lot of these images like JPEGs, um, but it can be a it can be a video. It can be anything really. Um, anyway, so TikTok is getting into it. Uh, and they've partnered with a, a protocol called Immutable X which in my opinion is pretty crappy protocol, but <laughs> that's fine. Um, but and so what they're going to, it's just more creator tools is they're trying to help creators make money. So the first person that's going to drop one is Lil Nas X. I don't think he really needs the money necessarily, but uh, I guess it's, it's buzzy. So basically what I'm imagining is going to happen is like on his TikTok or something, 
he's going to announce his new, they usually do them in drops, right? And, and there's usually an artistic element to it. So it'll be some cool, very knowing little Nas X, very like progressive sort of interesting, you know, moments or whatever that he mints. So you mint an NFT when it goes on the blockchain. Uh, and then, uh, and then, yeah, people can buy those and, and buy them and sell them. That's the thing mm-hmm. is there's these secondary markets, um, because you can verify ownership. Um, anyway, so it's cool. I mean, uh, we were talking about this, we've been talking about it for weeks, but traditional web two social media is inevitably like merging with web three crypto stuff. Yeah. And this is a very specific example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see how people use it. So like, I, you know, it's okay. Lil Nas X, whatever. I'm curious to see the kind of tools they give to normal everyday creators who actually could use the extra funds. Um, but the, it opens up a whole other can of worms about like how to do this well, how to make it not just like a cash grab. Mm-hmm. Um, because the thing with NFTs is beyond the digital collectible, there's the ability to like have multiple layers of utility. Like if I collect an NFT, I get that digital thing, which has like an actual monetary value, but you can also attach like physical utility. Like I get to meet Lil Nas X or whatever, right? Um, or it gives me access to his whatever backstage pass or something like that. So there's all sorts of stuff you can do with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, TikTok getting into that. Interesting. All right. Well, also Twitter. Um, they shared their first look at the, they're integrating NFTs for profile images. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, as much as I want to fight it and be like, I don't get this kind of stuff. I don't get it. It's coming to everything. Um, and that includes, uh, Twitter. So basically, um, we'll link this, uh, video in the, in our newsletter, but, um, it just kind of explains how they're going to link they're already linking crypto to Twitter. They're already doing that, but they're now going to, you're going to be able to share like your collection, your collectibles um, for NFTs and use them as your profile pictures. Yeah. So the way it works with NFTs on the internet in general, it like you go to a website like OpenSea or whatever, and this is one of the new uh, sort of functions that people will have to get used to in the near future or right now is the idea of having a wallet um, and so there's a lot of different wallets. MetaMask tends to be the, the biggest one. It's, it's literally like a Chrome plugin. And so when you go to websites, you uh, log in, it prompts you to log into your wallet in the same way like you may be used to logging into a website in general. But it, it'll just pop up and ask you to log into your website and to authenticate uh, you know, different things. So that's basically this Twitter video. They've integrated that. So when you go to your profile picture, you can select NFTs and then you have to log into your wallet, which verifies that you actually own those NFTs. And so the thing about this is um, people who are having, it's become a real status symbol to have a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape or one of these really high value NFTs as your profile picture. And this is taking it one step further to verify that you actually own it. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because CryptoPunks cost hundreds of thousands of dollars right yeah. now. So it's um, like a status. Yeah. So it's 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 really there's two things now. You can have a blue check mark 
or this is they have the uh, the ETH symbol is the verification, the Ethereum symbol. So it's like, what's the bigger status symbol? Uh, blue verification check mark or the Ethereum uh, badge? I don't know. You could argue. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. Let's go back to TikTok because we did talk about them. Um, so they had their TikTok world event um, and they basically just announced new things that they're going to be having on there. And there was kind of a bunch. Um, really, it uh, from what I've noticed is there the main update was um, they had an update of their version of the creator marketplace. Yeah. Um, basically, they're trying to do a better job of linking brands to influencers um, so they can connect and obviously make money. Um, so TikTok, they were saying that... Um, yeah, any basically any campaign you're looking for, they're going to be able to link you with somebody who can promote your business or your product. Yeah. Um, in the same way, you can another feature is that you're going to be able to um, basically it's kind of like a job board, right? You post what you're looking for, and then these TikTokers can apply to promote to work with you, essentially. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really cool, just doing a better job of connecting the people because from influencer marketing you have to really know how to reach out to people and that's kind of a challenge for people so they're making it easier to link brands with people who yeah. they think would work for that so yeah this is straight up influencer marketing yeah. uh that's this um what did they call it can't remember what the name of it was but it's um uh, their creator marketplace Great. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing about influencer marketing, and I said this years ago, that there are a whole bunch of like startup SaaS companies that are influencer marketing platforms mm -hmm. that literally all they do is charge a brand a whole bunch of money to go and search their, you know, big inventory of influencers. And there are so many of them. Uh, it very much felt like a race to the bottom right. because this was inevitable. So Facebook already has a version of this. It's not as widely used, but the the thing with those third-party things, those platforms, and a lot of them are, are big companies that have lots of VC money behind them, is like the platforms basically are making them you know, superfluous. So you can go straight to TikTok and do this right. rather than pay some big subscription to use one of these other companies. Mm -hmm. Um so I think it's great because that's really like, as far as paid media goes, influencers really, I sort of consider that a part of paid media, but it's a really a more valuable one because you have the mm -hmm. creative side of it in there as well. Yeah. So I think it's cool. The other thing they have here is a, uh, what did they call it? The creative center, mm -hmm. which is basically just a bunch of examples of top performing ads. Because mm -hmm. I think that's something we've talked about before is with the advertising on TikTok is sort of educating the boomers on like wh why TikTok is different and how to make your ads uniquely right. TikTok-y rather than, you know, yeah. what you may be used to. Mm -hmm. um, and then they, they also, had some other... Yeah, they've got Dynamic Scene, uh, which is basically it's going to use machine learning to break up your videos into multiple scenes. Um, they are going to also have, I think it's called the, let's see here, shoot, where is it? I just had it. Basically, they're going to also be able to, um, it's like a self-serve where you're going to be able to, they're going to connect you with third-party 
add creators who have been vetted through TikTok um, if you're like, hey, I want someone else to do this for me. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, they kind of announced a lot. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, the business model of TikTok is no different than Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. They want tons and tons of eyeballs and everybody, all the users to be addicted to it so that the value of it as an ad platform goes up and then they make just a million different ad features for yeah. brands to leverage. The So the only really difference is like it's uniquely positioned in its sort of demographics and it's, you would argue, is like on the rise while Facebook is has either plateaued or is is downfalling as it's, it seems like it's in front of Congress every day for something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. Speaking of the F word, Facebook. That's right. That's the F word. Um. So they have made a huge. I mean, we already know this is coming. Um, yeah. But really, they put their money where their mouth is, and they made a huge investment into the metaverse. Um. Which explain what the metaverse is, Chad. Well, I I can explain what I think it is, and then I'll explain what I think Facebook wants it to be. The the metaverse, I think it's a concept. It's not like something that actually needs to, will ever be like, okay, we've completed the metaverse. It's just an idea, a paradigm shift of, of spending meaningful time in digital places. And, uh, you know, I like to think of it like the matrix. I mean, the Matrix, that's like a really like plugged in version yeah, of it. That is a but, plugged in version, but like, you know, it starts, I, I think it could progress to something like that. I, I mean, I would argue right now, Fortnite, Roblox, right. Minecraft, those yeah. are very metaverse because <laughs> like kids who come home from school and then go literally hang out with their friends yeah. in Fortnite together. Mm-hmm. Yes. That that's like a metaverse. The only the only other thing, you know, someone like Matthew Ball who is like has I don't know how many like 100,000 words of metaverse stuff on his website where he's analyzing everything that makes up the metaverse and he probably has other requirements like um you know that the currency exists uniquely within the metaverse and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh anyways, like I think the only thing missing right now is like that currency side where you can literally spend time in these places and you know create value, capture value, buy and sell things all within the metaverse. So like Fortnite is almost to that degree, but you still your V-Bucks, you're buying skins that, you know, the profits go to um Epic, not to like the other users. Roblox is probably closer because they have so many independent creators. But anyways, Facebook, what they want it to be is more in the VR, AR realm, which a lot of people think that's inevitably where it's going is like, well, what's the next step for making a digital place, you know, meaningful? Well, really feeling like you're there, which is, you know, not just a flat screen, but like I'm in these goggles or whatever and it's like holy cow these are my friends and they're all around me and we hang out so facebook yeah uh here's my opinion on it facebook is sort of the antithesis of what i think about when i think about web3 and when i think about the metaverse because i think the core ethos of web3 
is openness, transparency, interoperability. All of those things are not Facebook. Facebook is a walled garden controlled literally by one guy, not to get conspiracy theorists, but like that is that is the antithesis of of what web three is, which is about openness and you know democratization of everything, open governance, et cetera. The the thing that I think is interesting in this is they announced um, you know, a fifty million dollar investment into research or whatever, which it, you know, is a lot of money, but for them it's really not that much money. Um but it's they're just signaling like, hey, this is we want to sort of own this concept, which I think scares a lot of the the real nerds that are already in this stuff. And it's like, oh, my gosh, they're going to come in and try to like. Anyways, they're going to ruin it all. But I, you know, it's a big deal because the other thing I wanted to point out is sort of a joint thing with this is they announced that Andrew Bosworth is the new CTO who was the head of ARVR. Do you know who Andrew Bosworth is? No, but you know, I'm sure. So let me explain it to you and why this is important. Andrew Bosworth goes way back with Mark Zuckerberg. They went to Harvard together. That's Mm -hmm. how far back they go. Yeah, okay. So he was, I think, actually like a TA of Zuckerberg. Oh, And then Zuckerberg dropped out. And then like a couple years later, he hired Bosworth. Bosworth is credited with inventing the news feed, which mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. like set Facebook on a, a just a crazy path. And basically, you can go through and look at the different roles that Bosworth has had. And it's like every really important thing they put Bosworth on. Right. And right. so the fact that he's been the head of AR and VR for a while now, it's like, okay, we, well, you know, that's important to Zuckerberg because he put Bosworth on it. Now promoting him to. S- to CTO, it's sort of weird to have a CTO title at, at Facebook mm-hmm. because it's like there are literally hundreds, if not thousands of developers that could be CTOs at any number of companies that work for Facebook. Yeah. And so having Bosworth be the CTO is really interesting because it's almost like, uh, I mean, I'm sure he's decent as a developer, but it's more like a philosophical CTO to me, uh, figuring out what they're going to invest in technology wise. Um, anyways, it's one to watch the, I mean, the, the hard part about it is like the best VR stuff right now is Facebook owned it's Oculus, you know? So anyways, I, I don't want to be super binary and like anti Facebook, but, uh, you know, it's so weird where we are right now that Facebook is like the big corporate, uh, you know, big tech where 10 years ago it was like, oh, we're trying to convince people that Facebook is actually a big deal and like you should pay attention to it. Now it's like, yeah, ah. and I think that plays into the money they have, right? So you have the money to do whatever you want. And this is probably personal interests wanting, you know, I mean, it's like Jeff Bezos flying a rocket, you know what I mean? It's just like, whatever. That And that's sort of the. I don't want to say fear, but like, uh, you know, for the Web3 nerds like myself that are that are in this and like have really sort of drank the Kool-Aid on like, oh, wow, this is like the recreation of the Internet. But it's a more open, equitable thing where everybody participates and has co-ownership of everything. Facebook is not that (laughs) it is, uh, you know, it's a publicly traded company, but it's also like. Zuckerberg owns more than 50% of it and like literally controls that. Yeah. And you could argue we, the users are like, you know, 
there's a there's a lot of doomsday stuff where you can talk you know where you're not if you if you're if you don't know what the product is you are the product and that sort right. of thing yeah. also like literally yesterday they had they were in front of congress getting grilled about if instagram is like damaging um you know teenagers and like being compared to big tobacco and stuff like that so Oh, I don't know. Oh, you um, sound like me, Chad. This is me on any given day about these things. No, I, I try not to be, get too hyperbolic about it, but like it really comes down to the the lack of transparency and openness mm-hmm. in the in interoperability. That like that's the big thing. And but even you know the other metaverses that are like very Web three right now sandbox somnium space some of these other places that are very very niche because it's only the super crypto nerds that are even using them but even those it's like my my somnium space like land doesn't it is not interoperable with sandbox and stuff like that so i don't think there's ever going to be one metaverse necessarily it's more of a concept but i i think what I would like is for everybody to, I don't know, you need the United Nations of uh, the metaverse, but to that, that whatever you invest in any of these platforms, like it should be interoperable and not, you know, inside Facebook's walled garden or whatever. Yeah, totally. And it's super hard to even watching any of the Congress stuff. It's hard because a lot of them just don't understand. A lot yeah. What's his so- name? Uh, Dick Richard Blumenthal using the word finsta did you see that clip no i didn't Where he was like will but, you commit to getting rid of finsta and, ever, and everybody's like which intern told him to, to mention finsta i just can't i yeah i don't know that's the hardest part in watching any of those because you're like they're like learning the internet and and mark zuckerberg's like i'm way like this was like first grade for me you know what i mean yeah. Um, so it's hard to it's hard to have hope that any sort of United Nations of the metaverse would happen because it's so above people's heads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll the see. dog's barking. I, you know, that's that's our that's my cue. Right. That's my cue. <laughs> that's our cue. Thanks for listening. See All everybody right. next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.